Welcome to the Theater of the Midnight Sun, the 21st century stage for stories, with your host and writer, Michael McGee. This is Michael McGee, and at this venue you'll hear stories of mystery, history, fantasy, farce, sci-fi, spy-fi, the everyday, and the absurd. And pretty much all will be performed by a bunch of regular Joes, just friends and colleagues who in their mild-mannered day jobs are everything from accountants to winery consultants. None of whom, including your host, have a day of experience on the stage, and boy does it show. So hold on tight for the next story on this, The Theater of the Midnight Sun. Playboy J.P. Pooler has always fared well from the attention of the opposite sex, but that's all about to change now that something else has taken a liking to him. In the modern-day sci-fi tale, Left Field. collapsed back on my bed, tawny and her long, luscious midnight hair draped over my chest in the tangled sheets, the two of us just staring at the ceiling of my San Francisco Victorian, sweaty and panting, the usual aftermath of one of our window-rattling, religion-inducing love fests. Most of her perfume had burned off during the evening's play, but the lavender scent of her shampoo was still coming on strong, like a morning breeze at midnight. Despite our gasping and all the thumping of hearts, Sleep was already calling. Tawny never needed to be held afterwards, a definite plus. Actually, there were lots of pluses where Miss Velasquez was concerned. Mm. What with that beautiful erotic mix of Mexican, Korean, and Apache, and her Daytona Beach attitude, she was dynamite both in and out of the sack, and was the most squeezable of my squeezes these days. One who never asked for anything except a good romp every week or two. My kind of girl. After laying there a few minutes, the thought of sleep brought something back to mind. Hey, Tawny, you know, the weirdest thing happened to me the other day. I saw an old girlfriend. Saw her twice, actually. Are you trying to tell me something, JP? No, no, it's, it's not like that. She was in my dreams. I ever tell you about Jen Farco? She worked for UC Berkeley, right? Yeah, that's her. Is there a reason you've chosen now to tell me this? Well, I thought you were really into dreams. I am, but my interest wanes a little when it's 2 a.m. and I have an appraisal at 8 at my office's Russian Hill Homes. But, go on. Well, it was just weird she showed up there, considering I haven't seen her in three years. In the dream, though, she's supposed to go on this date with Nathan. <laughs> Nathan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're going to go see this band called Dead Dog's Eye which might be kind of difficult since the last remaining guy in the group OD'd 20 years ago, and nobody's heard or cared about him since. I'm sure there's some deep-rooted meaning to it all. Like maybe you feel you should be looking for the kind of serious relationship you had with Jen, the kind you did want 20 years ago. But deep down, you don't feel you have as much to offer a woman as, say, Nathan. 
given his interests and sensibilities. <laughs> Let me just say here that, boy, do I think you're wrong. Well, dreams don't lie. So what about the second dream? Well, that was the crazy one, mostly because it didn't feel like a dream. See, I was trying to take a nap, and that's when I saw her. Jen, I mean. I wasn't even sure I was really asleep, or if it was truly a dream, but I could see her in this doctor's office, and she was filling out some medical form. Scintillating. No, 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 you don't get it. It was, it was like it was really happening, and I was hovering high above her, looking down. Like a little angel. I like it better when you're a little devil. <laughs> Do you always have dreams about old girlfriends and then tell your sleeping buddies about it? Young lady, this is the first time anything like this has ever happened to me. It was just bizarre because it felt so real. JP, don't you have regular dreams? You know, ones that are actually interesting? Yes, just like everybody else. So tell me one. Sure you can handle it? You do sound riveted. I need to fall asleep ASAP, so this should pretty much ensure it. Okay, you'll, you'll like this one. I had it just last night. Anyway, I'm, I'm out playing football against this all-girl team, right? Just you? Just me. And it's third down and long, and I'm tackled by four of the girls. But as soon as it happens, all the babes on the team start joining in on the jam pile. But first they start taking off their uniforms so as not to get them uh, dirty, you know. Uh-huh. And of course, they're wearing this slinky lingerie underneath, or nothing at all. There's some whipped cream involved, a liberal dousing of Gatorade. The referees join in, all of them women, of course, and then things start to get a little out of hand. Then they start getting out of hand. Yeah, well, until the elephant arrives, anyway. The elephant. Yeah, I, I think Freud would say it's some kind of symbolism. Can't imagine what kind. I guess he was sort of the team mascot. I'll bet. My, you dream big. Yeah, they can be kind of epics that way. And was I in this? Baby doll, you are a living dream. There's no need for you to be in any of my dreams. <laughs> I smacked her rump playfully and she rolled over, her face away from me now, half buried in the satin sheets. I started in about other things and other dreams, which minutes later knocked her out entirely. In fact, my own eyes had begun closing when I heard something strange. I thought maybe it was Tawny, like she was already in the midst of her own dream, one that definitely required parental guidance before entering. I opened my eyes again and sat up, leaning over to look at her. The sound had got to me, though, being it was super sensual, and I kept waiting for more of whatever it was that was apparently burbling around inside Miss Velasquez. But as I lay there, I started hearing other sounds, faint coos and pleasured squeals. Someone was obviously in the throes of their own lovemaking in the house next door. Not that I would have ever figured it to come from Miss Meyer's place beside me in our row of Victorians snuggled together on the block. But then again, maybe her son and daughter-in-law were visiting. Whoever it was, they were really getting into it. So much so that I eventually left the bed and put my ear to the wall to get the whole stereophonic effect. Nothing. In fact, it was completely silent next door. Yet the hot and heavy bit continued, and curious as to just where the participants were. I got up and wandered through the house, following the sound. After turning the corner into my pitch-black living room, the little yips and squeals got pretty loud, and I put my ear to both Mrs. Meyer's wall again and then to my landlady Mrs. Dobbs' wall on the other. Not a peep from either one. In fact, 
it actually sounded like the parties involved were in the living room with me. But since I didn't have any housemates and hadn't invited any friends to crash on the couch, I was stumped. Somebody could have borrowed my keys, though. So I fumbled for the switch, flipping on the lights. The room was empty. Nothing but the usual couch and chairs and home entertainment system. Meanwhile, the sexual antics finally climaxed, and the two individuals, I was guessing there were two, took a rest, murmuring and breathing in short little breaths. I heard a woman mumble something. The tenor of her voice sounded familiar, but I couldn't tell if it was Mrs. Myers or Mrs. Dobbs. Both women were in their 50s, and if it was either one of them, I'd have to admit to a serious lack of imagination on my part. Then I heard a man's voice. Hey, Tony, you know, the weirdest thing happened to me the other day. I saw an old girlfriend. Saw her twice, actually. Are you trying to tell me something, JP? I glanced around the room, trying to pinpoint the sound source, thinking somebody had recorded us. Of course, they had some balls to play it back so loud. And so the conversation continued with me checking the walls, looking under the couch for a tape recorder, searching everywhere. I thought about running to get Tawny. Then I nixed the idea, for two reasons. First, because she needed to sleep, and second, because I didn't want her wigging out about somebody recording our little soiree. Might be the last time she ever stayed here. Our old conversation kept on till Tawny's words, Well, dreams don't lie. And then the recording cut out. I plopped onto the couch, just sitting there a good ten minutes, waiting for more. But there wasn't a sound. Then, shaking my head about how bizarre some people are, I eventually trudged off for the bedroom, slipping back into bed beside Miss Velasquez. When I woke in the morning, with Tawny's body warm as a stove against me, I started thinking the whole living room incident probably hadn't happened at all, that I'd never left the bed in the first place, and that it was just another erotic dream, and not one of my better ones either. Tawny asked what time it was. No sooner had I told her than she was out of bed like an Olympic sprinter, going through her morning pampering in the bathroom. A little later after her shower, I stumbled into the bathroom with her, totally naked. Glancing in the mirror, I froze. Oh my God. What? It's happened again. What? Every morning I wake up and I look better than the day before. Oh, God. I didn't think it was possible. What, that you couldn't improve on those looks? Oh, I think it's possible. The same way you can improve on that little Buddha belly you're getting. Hey, hey, hey. A few less beers and late-night nachos and... Maybe a few less trips to Reno with the boys to pig out at the all-you-can-eat casino buffets. But that'd mean giving up the strip clubs there, too. I just couldn't deprive the guys of that. Always thinking of others. Yep, I'm a regular saint. I stared into the mirror again before finally taking the tweezers to a few nose hairs. At 38, I still had only a smattering of gray at my temples. My old girlfriend, Jen, used to say it made me look, quote-unquote, unfortunately distinguished, implying it was all an illusion, which was true, I guess. Her point being, it made me even more of a draw to women. My phone rang in the next room. Don't answer that. I wasn't planning to. My phone's live voicemail started, letting me listen in. 
and a rather high-pitched and slightly desperate female voice stumbled through some words, asking if I was there, saying she missed me, wanting me to call her, fearing I was avoiding her, etc., etc. Just as I'd suspected. Felicia. Tawny stuck her head in the bathroom as the message rambled on. Who's that? Part of your stable? She comes across pretty pathetic. Yeah. She sounds kind of... Mousy? Innocent? Yeah, until you get her in bed, and then it's sort of like Nitro in a frumpy skirt. That's Nitro? Trust me. But compared to her, you're a 9.5 on the Richter scale, baby cakes. In fact, you could bring down a whole city. Just as long as I'm on top. Speaking of which, your little birdie wouldn't want to go in for a threesome, would she? Somehow, I do not think so. But I would. Yes, I know you would. Well, forget I asked anyway. She doesn't sound like my type. Sure you're doing the right thing not picking up? Oh, hell. You, know, you spend one sweaty night with a girl and she thinks she owns you. You could at least explain it to her. She'll figure it out eventually. You are the soul of compassion. Hey, she's a big girl. I didn't hurt her. I didn't drive over her with my car. I simply spent some time making her feel good. And probably for the first time in her life, too. And this is what always happens. She just wants more is all. Doesn't mean she has to get her way. I don't get everything my way either. Life's full of realities. You could always add her to the weekly rotation. Nah, she's more the serious relationship type. Plus, if I kept on every stray I came across, I'd have no free time at all. A little later, Tawny passed the bathroom door pretty much dressed already, fastening a black belt above her skirt. Hey, toss me my cell phone, would you? Here you go. Thanks. I think it's time me and the boys made another Harris road trip. I closed the door and planted myself on the toilet, doing my business as I dialed up Charlie Sanchez to see if he was in the mood for plentiful food. Bye. Gotta go. Ciao, Bella. Oh, and hey, don't slam the door. Yet another reason for my landlady to love me. I made the call to Charlie, who was already at work and seriously up for the Reno excursion. But of course, not till the weekend, and not till he cleared it with his old lady. For me, both those hurdles had never been a problem. For the previous eight years, I'd been hosting a local radio sports program until it had been canceled when the station changed formats. So for the last six months, I'd been slumming, announcing local games on radio, college and high school ball, that kind of thing. With the fallout from the job loss, though, plus one big failed business adventure involving sports equipment, I was hurting pretty badly monetarily. Thankfully, there seemed enough jobs coming in currently to keep me afloat, or so I hoped. But on the bright side, my time was far more flexible than the usual 9-to-5 chained-to-your-desk gigs that my buddies endured, and for that I was truly grateful. Charlie and I finished our conversation with the usual ribbing, and as I hung up, there was that same oh-so-sensual hiss I'd heard the night before. Except this time it was louder. Tawny? I got up and flushed the toilet, and then opened the John door. I was thinking Tawny had maybe come back for some reason, and not slammed the door this time, and so I walked into the hallway. Except, I never made it to the hallway. I was back in the John suddenly, standing next to the toilet. I shook my head and blinked a couple times, doing a double take as if this was the worst case of deja vu on record. Fine. Okay. 
and I walked out the John door again, only to find myself standing by the toilet once more, as if life was giving me some kind of hint as to the type of lifestyle I led. I must have repeated the action five times, each time ending up next to the toilet again. I was going nuts. Then I decided to backtrack, essentially reversing my direction while standing beside that great white porcelain bowl. No sooner had I taken a step backwards than I found myself in almost total darkness. I couldn't breathe, and for a second I thought maybe I was suffering a stroke or blackout or something. Maybe the whole reason for this weirdness. I fell to the ground, but what I landed on wasn't the bathroom tile or the hallway carpeting. It wasn't even part of the house. The ground, sharp and pointed, bit against my hands and knees. I gasped, panicking, and crawled forward, back in the direction I'd come. Instantly, I was in the bathroom again. I slumped over on my side, the cold, damp tile hitting my skin like a gruff slap as I gulped down precious air. The next day, I heard a knock on the front door. Come in. Come in. Oh, Christ. I pulled out my cell and punched up her number. Hello? Just come in, will you? The door's open? It was Jen, my old girlfriend, and right now, my version of the cavalry. Yes, it's open. I'm in the John. JP, what are you doing? Why'd you call me? With her footsteps muffled by the carpeting, Jen wandered in carefully till she stopped before the bathroom, just staring at me as I sat on the toilet lid, a towel covering my lower half. Her bright blonde hair was bobbed short, almost like a soldier's, but her green eyes were just as bright and startling as ever. Looked like she put on a few pounds, enhancing that baby face and her cute little chipmunk cheeks even more. Her elegant coat, sweater, and pearls still smacked of the effortless cool that Jen always carried with her, making her the most competent person I ever dated, which, next to my irresponsible tendencies, the delinquent bills, the eternal bar hopping, and my general ne'er-do-well lifestyle, made her look practically presidential. Jen, whatever you do, don't come in. What are you talking about? Uh, 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 what did I just say? Don't come in. Why are you in the bathroom? Because I can't leave. Ate something bad? No. Some kind of flu? Nope. Then what is it? I can't leave the bathroom because if I do, well, there's a good chance I won't be here anymore. Yes, you'd be out in the hallway with me. Har har. You're killing me. And why did you call me anyway? Being all Mr. Mysterious about it. I have a million things to do, least of which is buying birthday gifts for Papa Daddy and shipping them to Switzerland. Switzerland? He's been running a collider at CERN for the last couple of years. He'll be 62 next Tuesday, you know. Gee, I'd have never guessed. I thought he hit 100 decades ago. Speaking of which, how is old fart art? Like you care. I don't. I know he hates me. I was just making conversation. You can make conversation out here in the hall. No, actually, I can't. It's simple enough for you out there. But when it comes to me, there are some rather inventive complications. Meaning what? Meaning that every time I step through that doorway, I never quite manage to plant my feet on that lovely green shag out there. Watch what happens when I throw this Q-tip through the doorway. Ready? Go. 
Huh? Yes, it practically makes it to my feet. Nothing happened. Impressive. It's just a guess, but that little trick of yours, I think it's called gravity. I tossed a hairbrush through the doorway, then my shaving cream can, then a couple of towels, a pretty comprehensive laundry list, all of them landing clean and clear out in the hallway. What the? I hope you don't expect me to clean all this up. Look, for the last 32 hours, every time I tried to cross through that door, I ended up right back here. I freaking slept in the tub last night. Why don't you begin at the beginning? Okay, yesterday morning, I'm getting ready for my day. And I'm going to the bathroom and I'm on the phone. Wait, you're on the phone while you're going to the bathroom? Hey, I was multitasking, okay? Anyway, so I went to get dressed, and when I walked through the doorway, I ended up standing beside the crapper again. And every time I tried to walk out the door, I suddenly appeared at the back of the john. Then, when I tried walking backwards the way I came, I ended up, well, somewhere. Some other planet or astral plane, God knows. So you're saying the house apparently isn't up to code? You are such the riot. You could at least give me the benefit of the doubt. That's why I called you here. It's probably been three years since we talked, right? Yeah, and speaking of which, why'd you call me? Why didn't you call the police or the fire department? Like they'd believe me any more than you. And dressed like this, in what amounts to a loincloth? I'd end up the pinup boy at the station. I've been here a day and a half, okay? I just thank God I was trapped in the john. Look, you're in physics or whatever, all that weird stuff. I figured you'd know what this is. I think what it is, is some lame attempt by you to get me back into your life. Oh, please. I'm very flattered, I guess, but I have moved on. Jen, Jen, have I ever lied to you? No, no, I mean really lied to you. Come on. You know, despite all the crummy, slimy, selfish things you did to me while we were dating, I have to admit, no, you never really lied to me. Okay. So, what do you think all this is? Um, no idea. But, I promise I'll take a look around. You get dressed though, please. My pleasure. So concludes part one of Left Field. The cast for this podcast included Claire Splann as Tawny, Tripperary Cork as Jen, and I, Michael McGee, in a performance as nuanced and dynamic as the sled in Citizen Kane played the role of JP. The music for this podcast came from many gifted performers and musicians, such as Sudafone, Print Rogers, and the great and all-powerful Clouseau, who also performed the theme for the Theater of the Midnight Sun. Their music was courtesy of sites such as the Podshow Podsafe Network and GarageBand. Most of the sound effects were courtesy of SoundSnap. A full rundown of the musicians and song or composition names can be found on the music page at the Theater of the Midnight Sun website at www.theaterofthemidnightsun.podbean.com. So that's it for this episode. Check back next week for the next episode, or subscribe or follow us. And please let your friends know about us too. All of that will help a great deal in making more programs here. Until then, this is Michael McGee saying no need to wake Shakespeare or bother Mark Twain. 
and no use in worrying Broadway or even your local high school thespians. It's just us, the theater of the Midnight Sun.